Awesome date. March 31st, 2009. Awesome topic. And you thought Mega Man 9 was the best 8-bit game you never played. This is the Awesome Cast. And welcome back. It's the Awesome Cast. With me, of course, I'm Basil. I'm Kevin. And with us, we have a special guest. I'm JP. Hi. JP is, you know, he's this bomb we sort of picked off off the street. We were like, hey, have you played this game? And he was like, yeah. Is this true? Not really. So, how many Sega Saturns did you use to own? At one point in time, I owned 32 Sega Saturns, and I had over 500 Saturn games, um, including U.S., Japanese, and European releases. Pretty much had every Saturn game worth over three figures. So, yep, that's where most of my gaming knowledge lies. And since a lot of that was because of the awesomeness of the 2D goodness on the Saturn, obviously I got into uh, Retro Game Challenge as well when that came out. So, we figured, you know, I've never seen a man burn through shoot 'em ups like I've seen JP just like, hey, <laughs> check this out. <laughs> and it's almost like watching ballet as he's weaving this digital ship through tons and tons of, like, you know, beams and lasers and everything. And he's just sort of just moving around, just going, like well, it's nothing. That's what I spend most of my time doing when I'm not doing math and all that. So I figured he'd be a, a good person to keep around. Uh, just for a couple of things, we are, um, well, JP is not, but Kevin and I are going to MTAC, which is the Metal Tennessee Anime Convention, which will be, by the time this airs, this will be the following, the upcoming weekend we'll be yeah. going to. We're going to be at the podcast panel, the podcast roundtable. It's going to be at 7 o'clock. It's in one of the rooms. I'm sure you'll find out once you get to MTAC. Uh, please come check us out. I'll be probably there talking like an idiot. I'll probably be hidden in the audience waiting to strike unaware. And it'll it'll be cool. I hear they're going to have uh, CDRs with um, programs that you can use to help start a podcast. It's going to have some uh, various podcasts from us as well as other shows. And it's going to be, be a fun time. If there's any ways you want to contact us, there is, of course. You can post a comment in our comment section. You can send us an email at awesomecast at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at the awesome line, which is area code 206, 202, or 0071. We also now have a forum, which was provided to us by the uh, Dead Workers guys. You will have a link to that in the, uh, on the website as well. So that's pretty much the formalities out of the way, so I guess we'll uh, move on into a... Uh, a moment of awesome. 
You still haven't made music for this, James. It's the moment of awesome. So, are you doing anything awesome lately, Kevin? Oh, now you look at me. Well, let's see. Beat Star Ocean, so that's not really... Uh, I don't know, I'm re-watching Legend of Galactic Heroes, which is about the best anime series ever. Well, okay, that's hard to say. I like a lot of anime, but... Epic space battles, epic politicking, manly men doing manly things. It's, uh... It's space opera. It's space opera in the grandest, you know, most hallowed traditions of space opera that rarely exist outside of novel form. And it is based on a novel. The downside is you really can't buy it. You pretty much have to find a torrent. <laughs> this was done from like the 70s on, right? Uh, 88 through 2000. 88. Uh, 162 episodes. Oh, wow. <laughs> Straight to video. <laughs> One episode at a time. Oh, God. Like, yeah, it's, it's a very, very long, very epic. Like, uh-huh. Babylon 5 and Star Trek ain't got nothing on... To be fair, the main story is only really 110 episodes. The other 52 were uh, prequel stories that were were written after the original novels the book was or the anime is based on and are but are still based on novels in the series. But yeah, it's it's awesome. Space battles, uh, cast of hundreds, best voice actors in anime. Uh, mm. Yeah, I, it, it's just, you've got to find a torrent, because it's never coming to the U.S. <laughs> uh, thankfully, was it Central Anime? Yeah, Central Anime. They actually have a, uh, for fact, at least the main series have a really well-seated torrent. That yeah. You can like, download all the episodes at once. Of course, this is several gigs of space we're talking here. Yes, it's a, it'll, it'll eat some space up. You better have a... Which is why I haven't downloaded it yet, although I think I'll have to delete some series and Yeah, you need a try it space out. on your drive, or maybe a good external, or... Maybe a new external. <laughs> but it's it's worth your time if you like uh, spaceships blowing the crap out of each other and guys politicking, but in an awesome way. Earlier this past week or two, I've been last week, we got an email from our contest winner, Mr. Jones. I won't reveal his full name because then Eric will get all pissy. But he won our... We had a contest where... If you sent us an email, you were entered a chance to win an Awesome Cast t-shirt. Ah. Out of hundreds of entries. Uh, yes, hundreds of hundreds entries. Of entries. Hundreds. hundreds. Oh, yes, hundreds. He uh, he won, and I told him, and I'll be email and say, it's cool. And he sent us a question where he was like, you know, do you know any, any video games that you like that was rated poorly by the press, and but you really liked? Define poorly. Like, low scores. I mean, like, how low, like? Seven? Like, well, he mentioned, I think it was God Hand, which got like a three. Right, right. On IGN. Uh, mine was Wartech. Second Oran. Second Oran was brilliant, um, mm. and stupid people don't understand it, so. <laughs> it's true. That's all I'll say about that. Yes, I. Man, I rarely pay attention to what people rate games anymore. But then his follow up question to me in that email was he asked, Has any of y'all tried Mad World? Ah. Which is the latest game for the Wii from Sega. Well, it's published by Sega, made right. by Platinum Games, who who used to be a Clover and did things uh, like Okami and Beautiful Joe and God and, Hand, and God Hand, yes, and then Mad. So I guess that's why Mad World's mentioned. And and I have in fact played Mad World, and it, it's actually pretty fun. Okay, huh. that's another reason to buy Mad World. <laughs> it's it's very bloody, very gory. It's got the voice of the guy who does Bender as one of the announcers. 
That's cool. The uh, main character's guy, uh, Steve Bloom, the guy who voiced like Spike Spiegel from Cowboy Bebop, is the right, main right. character. Oh wow! It's got a chainsaw on one of his arms that he we uses to cut through enemies. It's it's known for its very stark style. It's all black and white except for red, which is blood. And he pretty much it for me. It actually some people might com- complain that I'm, I'm wrong, but it plays like a slightly better God Hand to me, sort of. Very sort of, it's a little easier to play the God Hand. Because um, it's very simple where you run through these corridors, and it's a sort of a beat-em-up. A one-player beat-em-up, but thanks to the Wii Remote, it actually has some interesting ways that you slaughter all these enemies, because the A button just does a punch. And you can constantly just hit the A button, and you'll eventually punch, 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 and then you'll do a finish attack where you punch them into submission as they hit a wall and explode into blood. Um, you pull, hold down the B trigger, because uh, of the trigger, the, your chainsaw pops out, starts revving up. And then you can actually swing your Wiimote around, either through, up and down or side to side, and you'll do the similar motion with the chainsaw as you cut oh. through enemies. At the same time, if you don't have a chainsaw, you'll actually do a similar like uppercut or like side swipe with the remote. So it's sort of using the A button, the B button, and the and motions all at the same time to do stuff. And you you can hold down any guys. You can hold down the A button, you pick up guys or items, and you can use that, like, say, it's a tire, you can throw the tire through someone, grab, like, a, a signpost, chuck it through their head. Like, <laughs> it, like I've seen them, like, watching, like, he rams it through their, you, through their neck, and then they sort of stumble around, and you can pick them up and then throw them in a, to a bed of spikes. <laughs> There was a bonus round where you threw guys into a giant jet engine. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of finish, neat finishing attacks where you actually do motions with the Wiimote. Like, you might, like, have to shake them vigorously with the Wiimote nunchuck or hold them up together or down together or side to side. And all variety of, like, actual, like, finishing attacks where you might, like, pop someone's head off or, you know, kick them so hard they explode or, you know, rip them, you know, from, you know, into two pieces and... This is a very, very violent game. Like, it's, it felt, and I felt, because you're doing actually all these actual motions when you're doing all these finishing attacks, right. you actually feel like you're actually sort of, like, ripping them apart. It's, this is the game that Manhunt should have been. Right, now didn't, Man, Manhunt 2 got an AO rating because of a similar thing. I guess Mad World avoided that because it's more cartoony? That's what I'm guessing, because right. this is, is a very cartoony game. Right. It's it's very similar to that you know it's like Wild Off City where it's sort of this almost game show type. Well, this is a game show, right? Where the objective is to you gain points by killing people in interesting ways. Mm-hmm. Huh. But it was it's it's I've only actually played through the first level. I'm still really liking it. So right. it's a fun game. If you own a Wii and you need something to play that's you know not Mario Galaxy, <laughs> congratulations. And there's also Excite Truck. So yes, which cool. Excite, Bo- Excite Bots is coming out soon. See, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't. It's it's really they've really ramped up the goofiness of yeah, it. Yeah, see, mm. I, I kind of liked it. It was just trucks doing crazy things, right? Super Sandwich did not, you know, engender me to the idea. But I'm going to buy it. I'm going to try it. Right. If the actual core gameplay is still there, still fun, hopefully it'll still be good. Hopefully, hey, like. No More Heroes and Zelda. You know, it's interesting, like, No More Heroes and Mad World, how the Wii gets all the, like, over-the-top, crazy, yeah. cartoon, violent games to kind of balance out all the, the kitty image. It's true, and... But, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I keep saying Wii needs more M games, but... And Mad World is very... 
Well, you got Very No More good. Heroes 2 coming soon. That's true. Yeah. Good. I know that Ubisoft just put a together a um, No More Heroes Red Steel like fun pack. Yeah, that game stuff. Cool, yeah. It's like 40 bucks for both games. I like one of the yeah, only I people mean, actually liked Red Steel. I need another game to get me weird looks when people walk by as I'm charging my beam katana. <laughs> it's true. So any, we play any other crazy games from, possibly from Japan? Have I? Yeah. Uh, Shooting Love 2000X from Triangle Services. Um, it's a 2D shooter that came out in Japan for the 360. It's pretty interesting. It has uh, Trizial and Exial, which was kind of the sequel to that. On it. it also has a shooting skill test, which is a bunch of mini-games testing your skill at various 2D shooter activities, dodging bullets, shooting cans into a garbage can, um, <laughs> dodging buildings, just all sorts of weird stuff. Then it gives you a your shooter age, kind of like Brain Age does. That's kind of interesting. So, <laughs> you know, you can have a shooting age of 21 and you're doing really well. Uh, they also released 5PB, finally put out, Dodon Potch, Dioju, Black Label EX. Um, Is this one with the really, really crazy high-res menus? Yes, because it has insanely high-res menus, the load times are about 71 seconds from start to gameplay, which is rather absurd for a 2D shooter on an Xbox 360. Um, hopefully by the time they put out Ketsui X... They will not have that issue. But other than that, it's actually a really good game. In general, if you like Cave and the Manic 2D shooters, um, that's really not my type of thing. I'm more old school with it, more to Technosoft, and not the garbage Sega calls Technosoft anymore. Um, so yeah, those are the two crazy Japanese games I've played lately. Looking forward to Space Invaders 2 coming out either later this month or the next month. And then pretty soon, the 360 is getting Death Smiles in Japan, which is another cave 2D shooter, but it's kind of a horizontal cut 'em up um, kind of like Parodius and all that. And it looks really good. And these are like probably like most Japanese 360 games in region-coded? Yes, unfortunately, they're all region-coded. So you're just boned if you don't have a Japanese yeah. 360. Yeah, Ninja Blade apparently wasn't. Yeah, Ninja, and it had English voices, or English and, text in it. Or and something. it's not to come out in America. It's like, come on. Yeah. Can you give us these awesome Japanese games that technically, like, I unfortunately cannot afford a Japanese 360, but I would like to play them? Yeah, like, I, uh, in principle, would like to import Super Robot Wars for the 360 Super Robot Wars, even though it's reportedly not a very good one, but I'm just a whore for the series, so I'd buy it anyways if I could play it. But speaking of people being, well, ill repute, (laughs) we're going to move on straight on into the world of awesome. Apparently, on the DS recently, Grand Theft Auto Chinatown Wars came out, and it's being pretty hailed, hailed as a GTA game that's on the DS and actually plays like a GTA game. On the DS, it's supposed to be very good. So, of course, it gets the coverage into power. A principal in somewhere in Cleveland, I guess, in Roxborough Middle School, he removed the November 2008 you know, issue from his library, his multiple uh, library. Call the Library Wars guys. They need to get in their stat. Because it was an M-rated game and the person has a gun. Wow. But she's also hot, judging from the picture. <laughs> yes, and but you know, first off, he doesn't have the right to actually do this. <laughs> like, 
the librarian actually got really ticked off because I was like, hey, you don't keep this. You're the principal, but that doesn't mean you can just remove things because you want them to. You know, secondly, this is an issue from November, which means they got that issue in October. <laughs> we Principal's are in, a little slow. We're now in March. Don't you think you would have noticed that this, you know, chances aren't they, none of these students have, all, they've all already read this issue. <laughs> and they probably have already all convinced their parents to buy this game for them, whether or not they should have it anyways. It's not so bad, Mom. It, it, it's, there's some language, but it's not bad. It's on the DS. I mean, how bad could it be? I hear it has, like, the most awesome, like, drug-running selling. Really? Like, apparently it's actually got this whole, like, almost stock market to it. We can, like, buy low and sell high. And so is it more like the old-school GTA? Yeah, or? it's like it's like a top-down. Oh, Wow. Like, and, like, they have, like, things where you jump to a car, you actually can, like, connect wires using the stylus to actually, like, hotwire the car and like some other stuff. Cool. Like, it's apparently supposed to be very, very good. It's, people are explaining, like, it's it's sort of an alternate timeline as if, what if they had continued on making the 2D top-down GTAs? How would that have grown Sounds into like it? that'd be a good a thing GTA to look game into. And, Maybe worth looking into. For some reason, I feel bad selling hard drugs in GTA games or dealing in hard drugs. I... I have no problems killing people, which is bizarre, <laughs> but when it comes to hard drugs, it's like, eh. I always feel bad, although I don't feel so bad helping my Jamaican friend move his pot. Go fig. Uh, <laughs> Meanwhile, Steam is saying they have made DRM obsolete. Dun, dun, dun. They had this new system called the Custom Executable Generation, hmm. or CEG. It's apparently it makes unique copies of games... For each user, allowing them to access the application on multiple machines without install limits and without having to install rootkits on their PC. Now, I'm guessing... Cool. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what this really entails because, you know, I own a laptop and a you know desktop PC. I have Steam on both and I can download my Steam programs to both of these. Maybe I don't have to go online to check it with Steam all the time now. Maybe that's what it means. I'm not sure, but it sounds neat. But of course, the guy from the, who made the world of Goo, world of Goo thinks that DRM of any sorts, whether it's you know obsolete or not, is a waste of time. He's pretty much uh, what was it? What was this guy's name? Ron Carmel. He was like, "Don't bother with DRM. It's a waste of time. You just end up giving the DRM provider money. <laughs> Anything of interest gets cracked, and the cracked version ends up having better use." a user experience in the legit version because you don't have to input some 32-character serial number. Or don't have to be connected to the Internet all the time. Don't have to submit to your Microsoft anal probe. Uh. Well, it's you know it's really funny that this is the guy who says that this is World of Goo was the game with the 90% pirate rate. <laughs> like, you know, where their publisher went bankrupt and had to, while the actual, you know, developers are fine, the publisher went under because, no, because so many people pirated the box version of the game. Oh. <laughs> that's funny. And this guy is saying the DRM's waste of time. So I mean, that's, that's something to think about. I guess he has a personal experience there. You know... Maybe he just wants to run all publishers out of business. Who knows? <laughs> like, Well, I mean, I think the big, the, his biggest two selling platforms were actually um, WiiWare and Steam. Right. So it's... These are both, you know, online ventures that you can download it to your PC or Wii instead of having right. to buy a disc copy, so... I bet he's pretty much more on, on lines of, you know, 
downloadable games rather than, you know... Right, right. ...the boxed experience, which, for PC games, I actually prefer to box because I like having everything on my hard drive and I can just play it. Right. Yeah. Like, console's a little bit different. Sometimes I like having the disc. It actually depends on the game, like... Well, with consoles, I mean, eventually your console's going to be obsolete, you know, several generations down the road... If you have to be online to play your game and the service is gone, then you're just SOL with your $3,000 of downloadable content you got sitting around. Yeah. At least insofar as Xbox Live. Maybe. Yeah, that's true. For the other ones, I don't know what PSN or the Wii do. Well, the Wii, you're going to run out of space after you download 20 games <laughs> anyway, so if that, it doesn't matter. I have now, I forget how many games, like, I've had to delete or update to, or store on my SD card because yeah. I want something else. I mostly right. jammed a bunch into the SD card and just got what I'm likely to be playing in the next you know, couple days maybe on there. But you know, in certain games like, for example, Burnout Paradise is kind of a game I kind of would like just to boot up on a board right. off the hard drive. I don't want to... I'm lazy. I don't want to get up and go change discs. <laughs> or if it's a game like, you know, I don't know, like you know, Lost Odyssey or an RPG or something, I kind of like having that, you know... That physical thing for like a big, long, epic thing. Right, right. Although, admittedly, I do like the ability to you know, install things to the hard drive just because they tend to load better now. Right, yeah. you just got to hope the developer added in. Yeah, I, I that heard making a difference. There's, I never experienced it personally because I did save it to the hard drive. I heard Star Ocean had some crashing problems on 360, but it apparently didn't happen if you had saved it to the hard drive before you started playing. Huh. That would be bad to be sit through one of those. Also, Last Remnant is almost unplayable if you don't burn it to the hard drive because it loads so damn slow. Oh, really? Well, okay. It was annoying to me, and I'm usually pretty patient for load times. I've read similar things. People were kind of annoyed at the load times of Last Remnant, but most people also didn't get Last Remnant, so... <laughs> it's not for everybody. It's the part of Square who doesn't make Final Fantasy, who makes weird games that are often, they're trying new things, and... Sometimes it's a hit, sometimes it's a miss. What's going to do with Saga? And Saga yeah. is a weird. There's some weird kind of creature. weird mechanic to it that only the guy who made it understands, and it's it's some you're guessing a lot of the time. But speaking of things like games that are you know downloaded, and if you're online, you're sort of screwed. That's all right because there's a group now called OnLive, and they're going to unveil their cloud gaming service. What this is, is the idea is I have this giant cluster of servers and computers that are way more powerful than, you're, than you'll ever see, and they can run games like Crisis and Call of Duty and whatnot at the highest settings, and using crazy amounts of bandwidth, they can actually give you this little little application on your PC or little box, where they actually, what they're doing is they're streaming all the graphics and all the computations straight to your TV... And then your controller inputs are streamed to them, and it's in real time. You're pretty much playing their console there, and but all the bandwidth is streaming all the data to your TV. That's, uh... So the idea is that you buy this little box, or you play a subscription service, and you get like the latest and greatest in video game technology without having to buy the uber expensive consoles or PC components to do it. It's an interesting idea, but I'm not sure if there's enough if we have the bandwidth capacities to we don't, like, pull that off. 
at all. Most people in America don't even have broadband yet. Right. We kind of live weird, and Huntsville is sort of a very, very tech-oriented city. Right. And our broadband penetration is actually way higher than most. But even most people who have broadband in Huntsville don't have the kind of bandwidth necessary to do stuff in HD. Like, yeah. right. they're asking for, like, a, um, a what was it? A, uh, a five you know, megabit per second connection. Yeah, I got it. Like, wow. like, no one in Huntsville, unless <laughs> you have, like, you know, T-lines, you're, you're getting that kind of connection here. I don't know. I'm out in New Hope, which is kind of the sticks. Um, New Hope Telephone Cooperative does have broadband. Um, to be honest, I'm not sure if I can run multiplayer on my 360. Uh, but, like, you know, they want only a 1.5 megabyte, which is average for doing four, like 480p stuff, but for their high-def stuff, I mean, I pay for the good Comcast service, and I still get, I think, it's advertised at max 5. Right. Whereas I tend to get between 3 and 4. Yeah, and now uh, cable providers are looking for ways to charge if you use too much bandwidth. It's true, and, you know, so it's sort of, the cable companies and these guys are almost counterintuitive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like one wants to do one thing, one wants to do the other. Yeah, and all that is also the plus of New Hope Telephone Cooperative, because there's, like, one guy who works there who knows how their internet stuff works, and I'm pretty sure he hasn't heard of BitTorrenting. <laughs> but, you know, it, that's just one of those things where it's, I, I would not be surprised if perhaps one day, say, Comcast or Naldi or somebody strikes a deal with these guys. Right. And, like, and features that as, like, a cable feature. Much like cable TV, you might have cable gaming. They wind up in, like, hotel rooms and all that. They that, used to have N64 controllers yeah. hooked up to TVs. Yeah, yeah. You know, something like this, you know, I mean, go to a hotel, they got, they, a lot of hotels I have those nice LCD TVs. Right, right. Yeah, you know, I'll pay obnoxious fees and I'll boot up a copy of Crisis or right, or like World of Warcraft. I bet they make a mint and oh, like Jesus, if you could like just pull out like a keyboard and mouse <laughs> and just go to a hotel room and play WoW on like a big screen LCD TV. <laughs> but that could work. And speaking of people who are doing things and video games, Square Enix <laughs> is trying it again. They're going to make a brand new studio. It's made of Americans. In America. That's right. In America. Not that they haven't done this once when they made Secret of Evermore. Not that they didn't do it again when they made their giant movie production company and game company in Honolulu. Last Final Fantasy Spirits Within. You were better than people rated you, but not by much. (laughs) Sakaguchi's still over in Honolulu. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but Saguchi's a very, very special person. Yes, he's building Legos. Like, he's, I think he... Um, and not making new 360 games, the bastard. <laughs> but he's experimenting, and one day his experiments will bear fruit. Wave racing game, yay! Or and surfing, no, surfing he wanted to do. Not surfing, I mean. <laughs> Maybe he'll be surfing a game where you, you surf and you fall and you cry. Um, Random battles against starfish. Yes. yes. Starfish's coming out. Yeah, they got a new one for DS. Like, I yeah. was I was kind of interested to see that. It's, you know, it's sort of Starfy is like I didn't know about this game until JP like told me I had to buy this game off of him because it was awesome. Is this true? And it's almost a place like kind of like a Kirby game, hmm. where it's a very similar like you know you've got this giant sort of gaming world you wander through from little you know hallway to hallway, 
that's all sort of the levels are sort of interconnected with each other, but you know that that sort of weird platforming that Kirby does, mm-hmm. same style but as a starfish. As a starfish, and it's it, it was really fun, and we're we're getting one in America. I was actually kind of oh, it's coming to the U.S. U.S. Whoa. Yeah. Wow, is is it just the the one that's already out in Japan, or is I, it actually a new one? I don't know if it's a new one, but I think I think it might be the one in Japan. That'd that's, be cool because it had a lot of plot in it. Yeah, that yeah, was one problem was that a lot of stuff would happen. I had no clue at all what was going on. Yeah. A lot of starfish were talking, and I <laughs> and I had absolutely no chatty starfish. Well, it's not like you understand starfish in real life, anyways. <laughs> well, it's true, but you know, it was it's a fun game, and just keep an eye out. I was really surprised. But yeah, so Square, they're forming a brand new, except for one Japanese guy, everyone's local to, I think it's Cal- somewhere in California, they're doing this, and it's, they're going to be making games, Square Enix games, but by Americans. Secret of Evermore 2! Yes! They've promised us it's non-FPS, which is good, because we have plenty of Dude, them. Dude, oh, could you imagine God. a Secret of Evermore FPS? The sad thing is yes. it might turn Only out Only if like... you play as the dog <laughs> with the laser eyes. Yeah. And as long as it's not uh, Dirge of Cerberus. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. No. But I'm up for that menu-driven RPG surfing game, if you want to make it. Well, you know, I mean... I Hear our cry, Sakaguchi. Do it! I once played a menu-driven soccer game. That was really fun on the NES. Menu-driven surfing could be cool, too. It, it could. But, I mean, I really, really liked Lost Odyssey. That was one of my favorite games of last year. It's... I'd like to see him pull something off that was equally good. And if it's Kime surfing, I'm okay with that. <laughs> surfing for 1,000 years. <laughs> or like Jansen. <laughs> he can like do various quips and comments as he's surfing and, and then stumbles and then falls. In. Oh, of course, they would have to have him trip and fall and wind up being... Anyway. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> but speaking of awesome, video games... Tonight we're talking about was it a uh, was put up by Exceed, but I think it was developed by uh, Namco. Nam- Bandai Namco Retro Game Challenge. TV show called Game Center CX, which is about this guy named Arno, who is a comedian. He's part of the group um, Yoiko. There, it was a comedian duo, but this was his big thing, where he would play old NES games until he played that game into completion. And of <laughs> course, they tend to give him all the really, really hard NES games, especially sometimes the ones that were intentionally bad and hard. 
and he would play them until he beat them or gave up trying. He usually spent like a good 8 to 15 hours per game playing them. More or less nonstop, except for the occasional like break where they would let him eat. And sometimes to go digging through strategy guides and... <laughs> yeah, or get like occasional assistant director. But the, the thing was, he was very, very earnest. Very earnest. He Because lo- he really liked video games. He really enjoyed playing them as a kid. He's actually you can tell him he was having fun and it's very it's actually get because very dramatic where you know suddenly his problems become your problems and his triumphs <laughs> your triumphs and and you, and you feel for him and you're like you see him make that jump in Mario two and he, and he barely misses it by like a pixel and you're like no an impossible damn turtle jump and then he makes it and you're like yes and then someone had the crazy idea like let's take this whole idea. And create a video game for it. And they got this developer, Indy Zero, through Bandai Namco, through us, it came through XC Games, and we've got it. It's actually called Retro Game Challenge. You can go out to GameStop or Best Buy, probably GameStop nowadays, and buy it right now. And it's a very interesting, very neat, fun game. It's The crux of it is they've created several 8-bit games. Totals what? Eight games. And these are actual 8-bit video games. Or at least, mo- sort of. I mean, they're games that you c- could have played back when you were playing on your NES. Yes. I mean, these are 8-bit graphics, 8-bit gameplay. But they've taken the time to think about, oh, hey, wait a minute. We've had, you know, 20 years of evolution here. We should put this to making really, really good 8-bit games with modern sensibilities. And then you play through these games. And the way they do this is they cast Arno instead of him being the host. He's actually your evil demonic overlord. (laughs) He's Game Master Arno. And he sends you back in time to the 80s to play through the games as they are being made. No. Now what's kind of interesting is that, you know, this is sort of kind of, the game's... Also full of like little in jokes. For example, you bought this game to play these mini games, or these not really mini games at all, these eight-bit recreations. And as you turn on, he goes, "Haha! Now I'm going to make you play these games because you just bought this game to play these games to play these games." Oh yeah, it's sort of stuff like that where it's you know it's kind of ironic here and there, and they do a really really good job of sending you back in time. Oh, yeah. Like, at the beginning of the game, you get a choice to be a male or female. <coughs> and then he plops your little virtual, almost looks like kind of like a me, into this this room. It's very obviously you know, a young Japanese boy's room. And you see right beside you is a grade school, old, kid, you know, young kid, Arno. And he's like, what are you doing? Oh, you're here to play video games. Awesome, I love video games. <laughs> And it really is interesting how they do this because you have your buddy Arno with you. It sort of changes in how they do things. They do a really neat job of this is a presentation because the bottom screen is always you and your best, your new little best friend Arno as you're playing through these games. Like the top screen is always your video game. The bottom screen is always you and him. <laughs> and if you do well, he cheers you on. And if he if you do bad, he tells you you suck. <laughs> 
But they also do a lot of neat things where you can pause the game anytime and you can actually, from the bottom screen, while the top screen is still paused, you can do things like look through the game manuals. They actually have a full run of what they call Game Fan Magazine, which are actual <laughs> like little mini magazines they, they, they wrote just for this game. Oh, it's not very obvious. It's very obvious in Japan. These were mock-ups of Famitsu. Yeah. They just called Game Fan in America. But what's neat was that they filled with all sorts of in jokes to actual game publications. Like they had something shoe for Dan Shoe, who used to be you know an EGM editor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they had a uh, Dave Halvardson who does Play Magazine. They actually got these guys to actually send like goofy pictures of themselves. I think uh, <laughs> I think Jeff Green might have been one of the other guys, or mm-hmm. uh, some others. And they actually you know, make constant references to um, actual current game publications, but in context of these old game publications, it's just really neat. But the games themselves are still like the joy, and the way they make you play the games is different too. It's you just don't play the games. No, no, no. Arno isn't. That has none of that. He's going to make you play through challenges. And the challenges are wide and varied. Like, you know, get 2,000 points in this game. Beat so many levels. Go through this level without getting hit. Stuff like that. It's, and there's a set of four challenges for each game. So they're constantly pushing you through each game. And each time you go through these four challenges you go to the next game in the series. And it's built like a timeline, so you're actually progressing through the evolution of 8-bit games. <laughs> and they actually time the dates and everything for actual similar games. Like, the first one you see is Cosmic Gate, which is this Space Invaders Galga clone. But it's a very, very competent clone. Yeah, it's really well done. I mean, for one thing, this, has, this clone has 64 levels. Yeah. Complete with bonus stages, you know, program enemy patterns. Hidden in warp zones. And... Like, and, you know, different, like, cheat codes that sometimes may or may not work depending on the magazine that prints them. <laughs> <laughs> like, sometimes they'll give you a code that will totally work. Sometimes they'll print a code that totally will not work. And the game doesn't actually tell you, they just print them as if they were those of that magazine. And much like magazines back in the day, sometimes the codes worked and sometimes the codes didn't. Oh my, yes. But you know, and then the first game is Cosmic Gate. And then as you play through Cosmic Gate, you then get, you know, Robot Ninja Haggleman. Robot yeah. Ninja Haggleman. And Haggleman, is, I think, is the most interesting of all the games. They, It's the most, I think, different sort of mashup of games. Cause yeah, well, it's kind of like uh, Sega's Flicky from back in the day. I remember Flicky, oh. that was weird. Where you play this little little eight bit squat ninja, and you can, and you have all these enemies that come out of all these doors, and the doors are sort of, and some doors are interlinked with other doors, and you can defeat enemies by either jumping on them so many times or closing a door in them, on them so many times. Yeah, kind of. A, that always seems weird slamming the door on the guy to kill him, but yes, it's kind of amusing. And you run around and jump, and this plays like a fun little eight bit game. Yeah, I'd probably have been totally playing that if I had it on my Nintendo back in the day. Oh yeah, Haggleman one was or yeah, Haggleman was awesome. I thought the scoring system was really well done. Jump on multiple enemies gives you a multiplier. Hit multiple enemies when you open the doors of similar color. Loops twice or loops once. 
So, you know, very if, well done. Like, all the doors have, like, various letters on them and if of the alphabet. If you walk through three doors in reverse alphabetical order, you would gain life back once per life. You know, just neat little things like that. You know, you could collect scrolls to get a power-up to for the enemies to kill all the enemies on the screen. And you could upgrade your ninja stars and... It's a neat little, and again, it's one of those complete games, and it's neat that once you beat the game, it's not really over, because <laughs> you had to play through it again, because that's just how only the games recycled their graphics to keep going, to <laughs> add in play value. <laughs> and then they, then they, sho- then they shove you on to, which is sort of, I feel, one of the lower points. Which is which for many people is which is Rally King, stupid Rally King. Yeah. Do you remember those old like RC Pro Am, old, sort of top down race games that weren't really good, but it was the closest thing you would get to a racing game, so you kind of played it anyways. I have to say, I only sort of do because I avoided those games back in my <laughs> Nintendo days. Yeah, same here. Rally King is the ultimate expression of these games. It plays like. RC program or our test off road or any of those older you know games where you would race in you know loops and tracks, but it was all top down. It it plays like one of those. It's kind of kind of a neat drift boost mechanic to it, where once you really learn how to play the game, you can you know totally, you know you can start boosting through the curves and everything and. And it plays kind of like controlled chaos, really, as you're constantly veering into cars and walls and stuff and barely hanging on for dear life. It can kind of be kind of fun, but even then, it's not the... I think it's the, it's yeah, the it's, least fun. It's not through any fault of the programmers. It's just... And they kind of had to have it there in the game. Yeah. Right, right. It's just racing games at that point kind of sucked. I almost feel like they threw it in to annoy you. <laughs> I can it's, see that. It's true, but that's okay, because they, they reward you. And also, when you play through these various magazines, they actually start previewing the the next game right before you beat the first game, <laughs> the challenges. So you start getting tastes of things to come. And while you're playing through Haggleman and, and Rally King, you're hearing about the guys who, who made Cosmogator. They're developing a brand new game that's completely different, but still a shooter. And then finally, after Rally King, you get Star Prince. Yes. Which is possibly my favorite game in this collection. Star Prince is brilliant. Star Prince is great. And it's a and it's an awesome gotcha. Straight up, top down, vertical, 2D shooter. Um, some people would probably compare it to Star Soldier. Yeah. And more I think consider it more kinda like NEC's carnival game series, like Nezer and Azadik, which they would use for competitions. Which actually in the sequel that recently came out in Japan, they have the caravan mode, which is a timed version where you play for high score for like three minutes, which is what they used to do with games like that back in the day on the PC Engine. I think they did one for the NES as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it plays like your top-down shooter. It scrolls on the... You know, it scrolls up and you shoot down the wads of enemies that come down you get various power-ups. Kind of like the way the ship changes shape as it gets new power-ups. Yeah. It's a very neat visual. And, you know, there's... And, like... And it's kind of neat in that when you're playing through the game... Because it can be kind of... Well, for me, I'm, I'm a very much a casual schmupper. <laughs> I, I don't want CC anything. and but So I tend to die a lot. But that's okay, because I think if you hold, hold left on the control pad as you press start on the game over screen, 
they start you back off at the beginning of the level you were last on. Oh. So you could keep playing and you could actually have a chance to beat it. Now, sometimes it's not very good when you, cause you know, they'll plop you back and as later on, my favorite power-up is the, just the powered-up laser that shoots straight. Oh, hell yeah. Because you could totally just plow for the bosses that yes. way. Yes, right. <laughs> well, as you get later on later in the game, that power-up becomes more and more infrequent. And you, more, you get more of the wide sprint, the wide shotgun. Which it works, but it's not quite as good. Better for clearing out the random hordes of drones flying at you. Not so great on bosses. And that becomes more, more prevalent in the, the one giant beam of death, not so much. I liked it also that, you know, after you play for the first challenge or two, so that it comes up, hey man, I just bought a turbo controller. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then they represent that by what you are pressing, it's like one of the two top buttons on the DS. And that's your controller's turbo. <laughs> that was brilliant. And a it, godsend. Yeah. Yes, because it would shoot things faster. And when you get the one giant beam of death, it automotive was just this one giant beam of death, and it was great. Yes, and it reminded it reminded me much of like this like oh those weird NES controllers like the Advantage or whatnot that had the whole extra separate turbo button. Yeah. So that was kind of oh yeah, it took me back a little. Huh? Yeah, there's so many things about this game that will take you back. Like the graphics do it. You know, like I I, just, I really liked reading the magazines or even the manuals. Yeah. Like, each game has a full like you know ten to twenty page manual. For the game that actually reads off like an actual manual would for an old NES game. And it's just, it's, I think at one point, they even have, they make you blow onto the microphone to blow into the game too. So you can actually, <laughs> like, you actually play it. Oh. Occasionally while you're playing through the challenges, the Arno's mom will show up and, and ask him to do chores. He goes like, no mom, it's to the good part. There's a lot of little things here that are really, really will take you back if you play these old games. Yes, yeah, so. Done all of that, yes. <laughs> and then, they they then the game starts jerking you around because then you get Haggleman Two, the search for more Haggle. Well, not really, but which is Haggleman One, but which is much bigger levels. Yeah, and a lot more doors. And bosses take three hits now, as opposed yeah. to the one hit in the first one. But you know, graphically and everything, and while you're doing this, they start talking about this game called Guardia Quest, and oh man, this is gonna be this great new game. It's an RPG. Never been done before. It's going to be epic. It's going to be great. It's going to be totally life changing. And you thought you were in that one right before right Hagelman 2, but then it got delayed. Damn you. But they talk about as you're playing through Hagelman 2, alright, it's going to be the next game. It's going to be the next game. Then they announce right before you beat Hagelman 2, there's a sweepstakes where, if you have a ch- where you have a chance if you buy this GameFab magazine, you might win a copy of Rally King SP. Which no. is Rally King with a pal- some, some palette swaps and sponsored by a chicken ramen noodle soup <laughs> oh, God. company. And has cutscenes where they show off the mascot. And of course, after you beat Hagelman 2, what do you get? Do you get Guardian Quest? No. You had to play through Rally King again. Damn you. And I think it's just the Rally King courses at night. Yeah, it's Rally King courses <laughs> at night. I think a little bit of change, but not a lot. And, right. And like, in between oh, the um, same damn game. And between the the races, you get little animations where it's like buy chicken ramen noodle soup. Mmm, chicken ramen noodle soup. And I, then, I don't like chicken ramen noodle and, soup. And then you'll get this thing where like Arnold's like, "Oh man, you want to try some chicken ramen noodle soup? <laughs> All right, let's do some, get some ramen noodle soup." And then 
His mom will go like, oh, but I already ate it. It was so good. And it's... <laughs> he's like, dang it, mom. Poor Arno. It's the comedy that'll keep you going through that part of the game. <laughs> but Pretty then, much. Then you get Guardia Quest. Yay. Which is a Dragon Quest game. It's Dragon Quest. Yeah. Only way you can capture monster bosses now, or some of them, if they are um, Gaudias. Yeah, it's like... Um, it even makes you look to open items and stuff. It, it's great. It's, like, it's totally an old school. But with, you know, some modern sensibilities, you can save anywhere. Yeah. Like, which I thought was, you know, it's a, a godsend, because what you pretty much have is a town, an overworld, and two gigantic dungeons. Is there another town besides? I think there are two towns. That's I think right. there's three dungeons because there's a Tower of Heaven and then I think there's a Tower of Hell. And then there's that big cave where you have to get the key for the Tower of Heaven. But right, right. <laughs> but what's one of the neat things is, you know, Dragon Quest as time went on was sort of known for you would occasionally be able to get monsters. And Guardia Quest is actually no exception. Certain enemies are called Guardias. Like Fire Guardia, Bull Guardia. And you have an opportunity. You technically have three people in your party. You have a chance to make a pact with the Guardia. And when that happens, the Guardia suddenly becomes a powered up version. But if you beat that version, they join your party. And every few turns, they actually do a super powerful attack. That's sort of kind of like an automatic summon every like four or five turns. Right. Which helps grinding through all these dungeons. And it's... It's neat. It's actually like you're looking at a eight to ten hour RPG, and it's a well made RPG, and it's it's just kind of interesting that they would they went ahead and made an RPG out of this, and it's it's a good one. Oh yes, and even uh, references. I think a Castlevania thing. <laughs> like I think there's something like a, chick- a chicken in a graveyard or something in the graveyard, <laughs> and in this game there's like a there's like a chicken in the graveyard. Huh. Just there. It's one of the one of those you know, the lineage in jokes like this game is full of. Right. And then after you beat that, and what's neat again is you don't have to beat these games when you're playing through the challenges. Like to end the challenges for Guardian Quest, you just have to beat the first dungeon. Now there's still those two other dungeons, other town, and all this other stuff you can do in this game. You know, outside of beating the challenges. And it's there. It's a fully complete game. That's one of the neatest things about this game is that you've, you're getting eight actual complete games, more or less. Rally King SP aside. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Palette swap and chicken. And then, you know, what's interesting is that and as you're doing this, they're talking about, you know, a new Haggle Man, but this is not your kid's Haggle Man. This is a brand new Haggle Man with the whole new idea and using gears and this and that and you get Haggleman 3 the Ninja Gaiden edition complete with cheap birds flying out of nowhere damn birds and, and this is possibly my, this is my favorite game second favorite game in this collection because this feels almost like a uh, I know that some people hate this term but Metroidvania and that you've yeah, yeah. you actually um, it's not just going from going from screen to screen to screen it's actually sort of like this little labyrinth you actually go through. And there's little shops you can shop to buy gears, which you can pop your character to make your sword hit stronger, or your your throwing stars get better distance, or you get a double jump or a high jump, and 
all sorts of different ways of customizing your character. And, you know, you get, like, things at four levels? Yes, four, four levels. levels. You know, with bosses, and it's got a little storyline with actual cutscenes, just like Ninja Gaiden had. With Haggle Lady in it. It's Haggle Lady, and... Actually, Haggle Lady is a game in the sequel, if I recall correctly. And your little monkey and dog friend. Yes, your you're little, little Haggle Boy and Haggle Dog, and you're the whole Haggle family. Because those are actually people in the first two Haggleman games, where if you right. collected three um, scrolls, you would they would show up and do something on the screen. They might kill all the enemies or refill your health or something. Mm. Indeed. But this one, you know, you occasionally would see scrolls, but re- usually they were is much more about skill and and cheap deaths. <laughs> yes, because this one actually feels like a, like a real, it's, but it's a really well built platforming hard platforming game of you know that we haven't really seen nowadays, which is a real shame because it just it's one of those things where you play these games and it takes you back and you realize, oh man, I kind of wish more people would make games like this. You know, I think there's a whole market, you know, Xbox Live Arcade, you know, PSN, Wii or whatever, yes. DS, where you could give us these 2D games that can still be fun with new ideas that are great to play. And for 30 bucks, you can have eight of them <laughs> in this game. And it's, it's just, the whole package is there. And is is good stuff. Yes. Okay, this is usually the part where we'll have James play some more music. <coughs> and then we'll rate things how many awesomes out of awesome. Like, you can go, like, I think this is 10 Chun Li statues out of awesome. Or. If it, you could make it relevant to the game somehow. <laughs> it, it's our nonsensical rating. Gotcha. Because, you know, rating things in numbers is stupid. Yeah. Right, right, right. I give it four big heads out of five. Okay. So, guys, how many awesomes out of awesome does uh, Retro Game Challenge get? Uh, seven awesome games of awesome and one repaint of awesome. <laughs> I'm going to give it 15 Ninja Haggle Band Gears out of 11. Yeah. That's a new record, I think. And I'll give it, let's see, 10 loops of Star Prince out of 10 loops of Star Prince. Awesome. Yes. It, this is a really, really good game. It is. <clears throat> Definitely. Because, like, for one thing, again, you're getting six really, really good games. <laughs> <laughs> and one lame one. <laughs> one lame one with a, with a pout swap. And even then, I've actually talked to some people who, if you like those old racing games, well, guess what? Rally King actually is a good, crappy racing game. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, you have no racing or old school racing game fans tonight. It, it, it's, it's true. And, yeah. It's like, um, those are a very, 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 like, every review that I've ever read of this game as, you know, been, this, this, all these games are great, except for Rally King. But it's not its fault. It kind yeah. of had to be there. I mean, you it's possible to get into Rally King. It's just, it's very repetitious. It just, and it's so easy just to, to screw up once and, and not be able to catch back up. Yeah. Like, it's, it is definitely the, I feel, is the low point of this collection. 
But they do a really good job of, as I said, keeping you into the games. And once you beat the challenges, they actually unlock the game where you can play whenever you want it to. Though you can't uh, use any cheats when you play in that mode. It's true. And uh, there is the final challenge of the game is to actually beat all these games. Which, honestly, I haven't done yet, mostly because I'm playing all these other DS games. <laughs> I just beat Dragon Quest V, and now I'm about to start playing the Final Fantasy new Crystal Chronicles game. In between... Uh, the Ring of... What it's the sequel to Ring of Fates. Oh, they made another one. Yeah, it's coming out, like, tomorrow. Isn't there oh, a wow. Wii version also, and, like, some yeah, it's, dual it, platform compatibility? Yeah, there's a Wii version, and this is sort of off top of it. There's a Wii version and a DS version, and it's the exact same game. Do you have to have four DSs to play the Wii version multiplayer? Joking. No, it's uh, actually... It's technically, say, if Kevin owns the Wii version, I own the DS version, we actually play together. That's cool. Like, what they do is they just split the Wii screen into two screens. Huh. And it plays exactly like the DS game. Wow. But, speaking of DS games, Retro Game Challenge, awesome, good stuff. You should totally play it. And now I'm about to lose my voice, so for Kevin and JP and Basil, the awesome cast says goodnight. Peace out, yo. go buy this game. I've heard people who normally pirate games online say don't pirate this game because we want the sequel. And I agree with that sentiment, so don't pirate this game. Go out and buy it. Buy it. Now. Now. Right now. Do it. Now. Go buy it. You're not doing it. Get up. Now. Stop this podcast and go buy this game. Even if you're already on it, go buy another copy. Buy 12. Send it to your friends. Exactly. It's good stuff. But now, go buy this game. Do, 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 do